0: From the center of the hockey universe, this is the Off the Post podcast. Welcome to Off the Post. I'm your host, John Mattis of Post Media, and today I have Mark Edwards, founder and director of scouting for hockeyprospect.com. He's on the line. What's up, Mark?
1: Hey, I'm good. How are
0: you? Pretty good. Uh, The draft is a couple weeks away. This is a very busy time for you. Um, I know you just finished putting together your black book for people who don't know what the black book is, it's this gigantic 600 page book that Mark and his staff puts together. They're an independent scouting agency and there's rankings in there. There's in-depth scouting reports about hundreds of kids. Uh, You've put it out now. So I guess you've been able to to get some sleep under, under yourself now.
1: Yeah. For whatever reason this year, just uh, it seemed to be a grind down that last week. Um, But uh, I don't, I try not to complain too much because my job is like awesome for 11 months a year. And then just one really crappy month. So I I really try not to complain, but uh, it was, it was rough. We got it out. And, uh, so now we, uh, we just coast into the draft here and, uh, looking forward to it. It's, um, it's going to be an interesting one. I think, uh, I might probably say that, you know, different years, but I I truly think this one's going to be a little more interesting and just, uh, the difference of opinion on players, and it's it's just uh, there's I think there's a lot of players with some warts, and so it just really uh, makes the rankings interesting and where people view them, uh, willing to you know pull the trigger on them.
0: Yeah, let's let's get into this. So uh, the draft's coming up. You've you've done your viewings. Your scouts have done their viewings, and you guys have put together a ranking system. Um, so we'll get to that, and we'll talk about specific players. But if we can you know talk big picture, this draft class. Um, I'd like to get your thoughts on, on how you would sum it up and how you would characterize it because I did a quick Google search and some of the adjectives used to describe the class were lackluster, average, uninspiring. How would you describe it, Mark?
1: You know, it's weaker. Um, it's weaker, but I um, I think that, you know, Joe Fan has got used to some pretty uh, spectacular talents in, in some recent drafts. Um, so, been a little bit spoiled i guess would be a good word and uh but you know make no mistake about it there's some there's some really good players here in in the top 10 um really like especially the top uh, nine guys feel really good about you know our, our top ninus for example um and i think you know there's always little uh little groupings so for us you know it kind of goes a one to nine and then then another grouping and then i thought about 20 another grouping started uh, and then into the second round, there's little groups and it. it drops off a cliff a little bit sooner, I think, than usual. Um, and it doesn't have a depth. Uh, but just from a, the standpoint of, you know, I still like a lot of players up, you know, in that top 10 as an example. They just don't have some of those absolute, um, you know, throw out your term you want to use, franchise type player or whatever. Uh, you know, an Austin Matthews and the McDavids of recent drafts.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've been spoiled, right? So I, I think it's okay if, if this year's just average or, or just all right. And I'm curious, you know, you, you've you've studied a bunch of players. You have a lot of, uh, you know, viewings under your belt. Are there any trends that, that you've seen, you know, like, for example, like, are there a lot of, um, you know, good Swedes in this draft? Or is it, is it a good draft for OHL players? Like, are there any sort of trends that, that, that kind of came together when you were actually sitting down and putting together the black book?
1: Yeah, I like a lot of the Euros this year. Um, and then I think one of the reasons for me that uh, being Ontario-based, that I don't think it's, you know, as strong a draft as some other years, I don't think it's a, a particularly strong year for for uh, prospects that have been, you know, playing in the OHL this year. And, and that's where they, I, you know, I go all over the place, but that's where I spend uh, most of my time. Uh, so I'm watching... You know, a lot of prospects that I'm not quite as high on as as some others. Uh, I mentioned Euros. I mean, for example, uh, you've got Nico Hissier, who played in the queue, but he's a European uh, from Switzerland, obviously. But Amiro Heiskanen, who played uh, pro at home, a Finn. Elias Pedersen, a Swede, he's a late birthday, who, who played pro in Sweden. Uh, and then uh, uh, Timothy Lilligren comes in 10th on our list. Uh, very highly talked about prospect coming of the year, who probably would you know his NHL draft year didn't go quite as he had planned. He got mono and he struggled a little bit. Uh, I think people people probably you know just kind of sometimes forget that these are human beings and they're not robots and you don't just bounce back and take the ice again like uh, you're playing your your uh, EA Madden or EA uh, <laughs> yeah. NHL game. You know that these. And, you know, even just, even if something as simple as going to the, you know, the UA teams in Europe, you know, I've gone and been jet lagged and, and I, six five, I can't sleep on the friggin' plane and I get there and I'm in the stands trying to keep myself awake and some of these kids finish their playoff game and are flown over right away and they're on the ice, you know, they're practically on flights with us and, and they're on the ice trying to compete and play at a high level in their draft year and I'm sitting here just sitting on my butt with a drink in my hand. Uh, trying to keep myself awake in the stands. And you just, it puts things into perspective that it's, there's still, you're still dealing with human beings and they have good days and bad days and, and cope with injuries or illness, a bad cold or, or fatigue or whatever. So, um, that said, you know, you're, you're still gonna, you're still gonna evaluate them all. You're still gonna rank them all and, and where you'd pull the trigger on them. And, and this year just, uh, there tends to be a, a lot of the Euros up in the, the high ends of our list that I really like.
0: Yeah, let's start with uh, the number one the number one prospect, according to you guys. And I should stress that this isn't a mock draft. You guys do a rankings. There's a big difference. You're not saying, you know, the New Jersey Devils are going to pick this player. You're just saying this is the best player in the draft, according to what we think. And up there for you guys this year is Nico Hischier. Uh, Moosehead center from Switzerland, highly skilled. It was between him and Nolan Patrick. Back and forth between all the different rankings out there. There's a bunch of public rankings. I know you guys. Um, you know you, you you thought about it and, and you discussed it within your group a lot. Uh, how did you land on Nico as number one? And uh, if you could just run down why and 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 Patrick, what, what is he to the table to? That whole situation.
1: Yeah, I guess I'll probably sound like a bit of a cop out. You know, probably a lot of people say, "Oh, it was really close," but it really was close this year. Closer than, than a lot of years. Um, for example, it wasn't unanimous amongst our, our scouts. And one thing that we've done over the years um, when we had something, it was a really tight decision, or we're, you know, when I, for example, I've asked a lot of NHL guys, you know, who do you have in number one? And a lot of them answered with, depends what day you ask me. In other words, like, could wake up tomorrow and I change my mind again. I kind of was in that boat for a good chunk of uh, the second half. Um, But I started just, um, I guess feeling a bit more of a comfort level with Nico myself. And I think one of the biggest reasons is just based on my geography, I saw Nico a lot more live. Uh, I have a better comfort level and, you know, a lot of people saw Nico a lot more live because of Nolan Patrick's injuries. He played about, you know, 33 games, I think it was. So when it was so close and and you like basically just about everything about both players, um, We've done it in the past where we we go with the one that we've seen more and just have a better comfort level on. So you know, I can remember uh, in Monahan's Sean Monahan's draft year, we were right. battling with him and Elias Lindholm, and we went with Monahan uh, by one spot on him, and it was really just came down to what well, we've seen a more just a little bit more confidence because of the amount of viewings. Uh, so I would say a big chunk of it is that uh, for us this year, and and Nico is. A really complete player. Um, you know, Jerome and I, are, our Q scout, we're talking about him, and, you know, in Jerome's line, he just keeps saying, it's like it's." I just find a hard time finding some weakness or something that scares me about him. And um, I think if you said, if you asked a bunch of people, Patrick, they'd probably just mention the injuries, which, you know, is probably another whole debate, because how do you predict if he's ever going to have an injury again or if he's going to be injury riddled? Like, that's always kind of been a sticky argument for me. Uh, but Nico's really complete. Uh, I really think he rose to the occasion this year, whether it was World Juniors and then he shows up at top prospect game after being fantastic at World Junior. He shows up at top prospect game and he's, you know, kind of was the star there. And, um, he, he really, uh, got better all year. Um, he actually started a little bit slow. My first viewings of the year after loving him in Grand Forks last year in the U18, you know, he, he was just by his standard, just okay. Uh, I didn't see an ex- the explosiveness I had remembered seeing in in, in uh, North Dakota. And then the next time I saw him, it was it was the old Nico, and I was like, okay, this is the kid I remember now. And kind of wiped off those first two early viewings and really never looked back. He was fantastic the rest of the year. I went to Halifax shortly after the uh, top prospect game, and he scored the winner there and was fantastic. And it just you know it just seemed to go on and on.
0: But Nolan Patrick, you guys still uh, care a fair bit for in terms of uh, what type of player he will turn into. Do you think he's, you know, he's pre- a lot of people are saying, you know, I could see him being a, a second-line center in the NHL. Like, that's still a pretty good player.
1: Yeah, most most NHL guys I talked, to projected kind of both as second-line centers, which I guess you could go back to your how is this draft. You know, uh, I guess people would most like to take a forward in the first overall or whatever and hope that he's a solid number one. Jerome and I talked once when we we sent one and a half as our cop out. Yeah, <laughs> but, well, you never um, know, right? Yeah, it's it's so tough in the situation, and where's he going to go, and all that kind of stuff. But there's so much there's so much growth left for these players. Uh, but Patrick is, you know, as I just try to, I guess, get across here, it was it was a real struggle because they're, you know, we like them both, and I hate the fact that when we knock one down in a ranking spot, people like. You know, you can have him second on your list and be like, oh, they don't like him. And it's not the case. Uh, we really like him. Um, but, you know, he did, he did have the struggles with the injuries. Uh, but we're talking about a captain out there. In his 33 games, he was still incredibly productive. You know, he had in the 20 goal range, I think about close to 50 points. Uh, he as well, he's, he's a late birthday. Uh, um, but I, I like the, he's, he's very complete as well. You know, he's, he's able to both score, but he's, He's smart. He's he's got vision and, and a good IQ, and he's setting people up. Uh, I think his shot's good. He's accurate. I think the skating's good. The fundamentals are really strong. So as he gets stronger too, like, uh, I think it'll just get better and better. And I you'll jump into those lanes like he's got that little extra gear where he'll you will know, see open lanes and he'll just jump in there and just all overall just a, a really smart. And much like Nico, a complete hockey player, and I just go back to kind of the explanation of why it was so close and why we chose Nico. But there's not a whole lot not to like with with uh, Nolan Patrick either.
0: And He Shier is a little more flashy, a little uh, you know more out there, and and sort of a guy that you might be able to market. That, that's the way I'm looking at it, at least from one perspective. It's like Nolan Patrick is kind of meat some meat and potatoes. Um, compared to a guy like Nico Hishiyer, who who has a little more, uh, you know, d- dangles to his repertoire and sort of uh, the high end skill, right?
1: Yeah, I guess so. I, I I wouldn't go too far down that road. I guess so. Maybe call it European flair or something like that. It's it kind of hard for for Nolan to to really probably present the best version of himself this year when you you know you had such a limited amount of viewings. But I mean, if you just look back a year. That was a pretty impressive year he had last year um, in which, you know, he just missed the, the draft year as he's a late birthday. But, again, I guess I guess what I'm trying to drive home is it's, it's really tight.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, and you guys chose one over the other because you have to. Um, and then if we go through the rest of the top ten, um, you have Miro Heiskanen at, at number three. He's a defenseman uh, playing in the Finnish League. Uh, Kale McCarr, number four, a guy playing in the Alberta Junior A League. Uh, another right-handed defense, or sorry, a right-handed defenseman, Miro Hiskinen, is a left-handed defenseman, and then you have Elias Pettersson, number five, uh, playing in Sweden. He's a left-handed center. Uh, out of those, fa- out of those three, um, which guy are you guys, you know, particularly excited about?
1: All of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess so.
1: You no, know, this was again, you know. I guess I could say this a lot, but it's it's not always this tight every year. This was we all had the same guys, you know. And we had about a six guy scout meeting on Skype. It's probably about a week ago, an hour, whatever. But we all had the same guys. It was just shuffled, and it was really all over the place. And especially we got past ten, it really got crazy. But we kind of all had the same guys here. And for me, it was just from my own personal list, like. You know, we could probably have changed it almost daily. So this is the one that went in the book. But um, really tight for me with, with uh, Heiskanen just a shade of, above Makar and then Pedersen battling those two. I really like Elias Pedersen there. A glass right on his heels. And the glass versus Velarde was incredibly difficult uh, to settle as well. So you're talking about that, you know, three to, to seven there that you really could almost flip on any way you want. And I wouldn't call it crazy with maybe me just having a little extra love for high skinning, he's just so smart and reliable. And I think, you know, use the the word safe as a very safe pick too, I think. Um I'll we'll just expand on a few of them, I guess. Um so Miro is a is a kid that saw Grand Forks last year. He was five ten and about a buck fifty four. I absolutely loved him. Uh thought he was incredibly smart. Uh just great puck mover he really had the i q for the for the offensive game, but he didn't lack defensively and then you just flash forward uh we threw him even even though he was at five ten at the buck fifty four which you know for a defenseman is not exactly what he wanted to be ideally heading into his his draft year we still threw him in that top thirty we do uh so in last year's black book he he was right down i think probably thirty um and uh Luckily for the kid, he grew, so he comes in now, I think, uh, a six-one range. Um, Obviously, for him, that was a very good thing. Um, Starts playing pro and and is playing very well. The World Junior comes around, he gets to showcase himself there on an absolute uh, mess of a Team Finland this year. But I thought he he played a bit of a different game, a little safer, a little less flash, um, but probably what he was asked to do, but I thought he was still really steady. Uh, but this is just a kid with the really, really, uh, I call his best asset is uh, his IQ. Uh, very few mental mistakes. Um, I was lucky enough to coach Alex Petrangelo for a short time and he, I hate comparing players, but just, you know, for people listening, I'm just talking about a specific part here. Poise and IQ are really reminding me of when I was standing on a bench watching Alex out there and just how much poise he had and how few mental mistakes, uh, both Heiskin and Makes and, and Alex Petronangio uh, made and back then and still very few makes. He's a very smart player. And then good puck moving skills. I think he reads the, the ice really well. He doesn't force pucks and, and put guys, teammates in bad areas. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's kind of a human zone exit and human zone entry. So player I really like, um, Kale McCarr, Brooks Bandit, Alberta, Alberta Junior Hockey League. Slightly undersized. He's under six foot, but um, absolute offensive dynamo. Amazing feet, amazing agility, laterally, uh, forwards, backwards. This kid just creates offense all over the ice. And uh, one of the things I really liked about him when I watched him, because uh, I saw him a year ago, he's another kid that grew. But uh, when I saw him in December at the World Junior Day Challenge in Bonnieville, one of the things I really noticed, apart from the obvious, amazing skill was how hard he competed he he really looked like one of the most competitive kids out on the ice like every shift he was just grinding it and just played it like it was like zero zero stanley cup type shifts so he's um uh, he's fourth on our list and i won't be shocked at all if he goes somewhere in that range again well, we don't try and predict it but uh won't be shocked at all
0: his uh numbers are outrageous he has uh 35 goals and 100 assists in 111 AJHL games. So, mind you, you know the the level of competition isn't the same as say the WHL, OHL. But I mean, as a defenseman, he's putting up these these obscene numbers. So, um, you can really see that sort of explosiveness, and you know the way that he can QB a, a power play when when you just look at his point his point totals.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of a shame he was a late birthday, and we didn't get to see him. Uh... At the U18, although his team went all the way to the RBC championship, so he wouldn't have gone anyway. But, you know, he had 75 points in about 50, 50 odd, maybe 52, 53 games, something like that, I forget. And then, like I said, his team, his team barely lost a game. They went right through the West and came into the RBC and, uh, lost in the final. But he just, he creates space with his feet. He creates time and time and space for himself. And, uh, like the, the line, I would just say he just creates offense. Period. You know, he just whether it's shooting the puck, passing the puck, jumping into the rush, uh, jumping in the lanes, going behind the net, just the poise of the puck. He's he was fun to watch, and he's not a defensive stud by any means, but I don't think he's a defensive liability. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, he really competes.
0: Well, and then, like we've alluded to, uh, number five, you have Elias Pettersson. You guys seem particularly high on him. You know, looking around at different rankings, you know, I've seen Pedersen at eight, at fifteen, at eleven. You guys have him nice and high at five. What what's what impressed you so much about this kid?
1: Skill and smarts, I guess, would be the two. Like, he, there's a ton, a ton of skill there. And uh, you know, my first my first thing I look for is the the IQ, the smarts, and then after that, I want to look for the skill. So I think those are two areas he excels. So just by sheer logic, you can probably guess that he'd be at. Our rankings uh i guess the weakness for this kid he's a bit slight he's about 165 pounds um but you know he didn't look too, he didn't look all that bad i talked to him at the combine he's hes legit six two uh, i'm six five and he you know he wasn't too far behind but uh you can see the his frame is just a little bit you know lacking uh the size he's, he's got to fill out but um he, he had a good head on his shoulders he's a very mature kid when i was talking to him and he um he has a plan. He has a personal trainer. He knows that's his weakness. He's well aware of that. But, you know, John, like, we see Marner, what he did this year, and see what he did even in the World Championships. And I saw, I've, I've said this a couple times now, on a few interviews, but I saw a picture of him at the airport when he arrived home from the World <laughs> Championships. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're, we're talking about him at the end of his first full year here. And, like, Pedersen was look bigger, you know? And I just, I keep hearing how long it's going to take for Pedersen. I just, I just changed my, my opinion on that. I didn't think Ryan Newton Hopkins would go in right away and get debate whether or not he should have or not. But like guys are just they're they're finding their way in there and it's the leagues changed where, you know, these little guys or, or guys that are even physically not strong enough yet. They're they're doing just fine, it seems.
0: Yeah, no kidding. It's yeah, Marner's a perfect example of of a guy that looks very slight. You know, he's not really that short. I think he's five eleven, but his his skating style he's very crouched so he looks smaller and plus he he weighs nothing but somehow yeah. evades checks uh, somehow doesn't get injured so I mean I don't think it's a crazy thing to to say that Pedersen might be a, a similar sort of body type and might be able to get away with it like a Marner
1: yeah and I I I kind of still have the always the air on the side of not rushing them um, but some guys are just ready and you know Marner. Marner went back, and then he comes in this year, and and he did whatever he saw. He did, but he's God. He he doesn't look bigger, much bigger than me than he did when I watched him play in London, friggin' like ninety times over the years, or whatever the hell it was. And going back to minor midget when he was really tiny. And yeah, he's you know he's just a hair under five eleven now, or whatever it is. But uh, and this kid's six two. So the the skill, the compete level, the smarts. Um, for me, for Pedersen, it was just too much to, uh, to drop him down there. And, you know, he's another guy that wasn't a ton under the spotlight. Uh, world junior, I, I would imagine the kid would, you know, he said to me himself, he, he wish he played a little better, but I think he was being a bit harder himself. I actually thought he played pretty well. He's just a little bit snake bitten. So, you know, the numbers didn't look fantastic, but I, I didn't come away like, you know, wanting to drop him down my list. I thought he, he still played quite well.
0: And then, like you mentioned before, you sort of group it in in a, a, a three to seven range. So you had Cody Glass uh, of Portland in there uh, at six, and then Gabe Vellardi uh, of Windsor uh, at the the Spitfires there. Uh, he's number seven. So after that, you got Casey at eight, Martin, I believe it's it's uh, Neckas at nine, and Timothy Lilligren at ten. That rounds off your top ten for, for hockey prospect. Lilligren is is the one guy that. Uh, you know, was we'll call it the the Jacob Chikrin uh, syndrome. He was sort of overhyped coming in to the draft year, and then just not necessarily played poorly, but didn't play you know an elevated game. And all of a sudden, he's he's kind of that guy that might slide down uh, on draft day. As as most people probably know, that's what happened with Chikrin. He was supposed to be number two, and then went I believe sixteenth. Am am I reading that right with his situation where sort of he's been he's been kinda of over talked about and now he's he's just sort of like in this weird spot?
1: Yeah, it's funny you, you use uh Chikrin as an example because I had a scout use uh Chikrin as the example for Cal Foot, who we have fourteenth oh, on our list, and you see a lot deeper than others, but that was the exact player he, he called Cal Foot this year's Chickren. Um I tend to still like Cal Foot, and and uh, we've got him in at that fourteen spot, and uh, you know I think I don't know where he's going to go, but uh, for me uh, and and definitely guys on our staff, we felt pretty good about him as a prospect. Still, I think some big guys are getting beaten up now with all these little skilled defense or offensive dynamo's doing some stuff, but I think Cal has some underrated parts to his game. But uh, just to back to Lilligren real quick, um, you know I mentioned the mono. I think earlier and and how that can beat you up and but this kid's tools are unreal, like the skating and his offensive uh, capabilities, uh, his potential. I guess the ceiling's really high. You just get scared about you know maybe the floor uh, for him uh, because he just he struggles a little bit uh, all year. But he, he finished with a bang. He was he was strong at the U eighteen, but I think it's the potential that people are still seeing that'll uh, that'll keep him up the list. I know for us it was we just felt like we couldn't really drop him much more than uh, what we got on there at 10. And uh, he, for me, if I was going to pick the weakness, sometimes I thought he struggled with some decision-making. And I mentioned earlier that I, you know, that hockey IQ is really important, but he, he's there's not a whole lot of weakness other than that. Like he's, the, the physical tools are, are fantastic.
0: He seems to have a great shot too.
1: Yeah, his offense, like period, is, is excellent. It's more sometimes in his own zone, uh, I thought sometimes when he had some heavy forward check pressure, he, he, you know, he struggled thinking through and making quick decisions and that sort of stuff. But um, overall, that that the uh, the offensive capabilities that ceiling's high. So
0: if we look past the uh, the top ten, and even if you want past the first round, are there any guys that you know you've scouted this year? You go, man, that guy's got some serious potential. Uh, just doesn't have it all together yet. Maybe just a guy with raw talent that that you're, you're keeping an eye on and, and maybe, you know, in the back of your mind, kind of cheering for him because he's just sort of, I don't want to use the word sleeper, so I won't, even though I just said it. <laughs>
1: but <laughs> but a, a
0: guy that uh, a guy that just might, you know, blossom later.
1: Yeah, I'll, you know what, I'll just try and rattle off a bunch here. Um, I'll, I'll start with one really high still. It's only one spot behind the guy we just talked about, and you're uh, uh, probably higher on our list than some, and he just... One of those things where it just shows like it just was high on all our scouts lists, and that equated coming in at number 11 here. But much, uh, a lot of similarities to Miro to and who I spoke about earlier. Like, to me, um, really untapped offensive upside. He's, I think he's just starting to scratch the surface, and I think that's where maybe he's a little bit underrated. Everybody talks about as kind of like a real reliable stay at home B, but I personally thought he has some offense there that was starting to really come out in his game and he he's another kid that had a strong finish of the season. Another player that much like uh, Miro uh, school at the World Junior when I watched him in Montreal, very safe game. He didn't, you know, flash off the ice at you with all kinds of uh, impressive highlight real type stuff. It was just very safe, reliable, but then when he got back in his league play and watching there and, and watching down the stretch, he started to show that, that offense. So there's him I'm Isaac Radcliffe, six foot six kid out of the Guelph. Loved him in his OHL draft year. I'm still high on him when I think about ceiling. Um, he can shoot. He's got offense capabilities. He can skate really well for a big six foot six kid. So just kind of self explanatory on potential. Uh, Jesper Bolquist, uh, a Swede. Another late birthday, 30th on our list. Another guy just, uh, smart with skill. Uh, so he comes in there. Interested to see where he ends up uh, landing. Uh, Let's see, I talked about Bonneville earlier in that World Junior Challenge. Lepanoff was one of my favorites. Uh, he really flashed skill and compete level, and he was smart. Uh, really had a great tournament. We actually had him higher. And then just kind of the rest of the year, we didn't flash as much skill, but I thought he still really competed and just just kind of almost changed his game a little bit, but he was just almost playing more physical and hard compete. Uh, Michael DiPietro, a goaltender, with Windsor, who's getting a lot of press because he's six feet and hasn't had a whole lot of hype this year until he played fantastic. Uh, For me, in the playoffs against London is where he really totally sold me if I wasn't sold earlier. And then uh, he capped it off with an amazing uh, Memorial Cup performance. But uh, six feet is not the ideal height for NHL teams. Uh, That's another debate for another day. Dylan Sandberg, a defenseman, big defenseman, from Hermantown uh, High School in Minnesota, he finished the year in the USHL just uh, from March 17th on. Raw, kind of makes some simple plays right now out of his own zone, but I like the offensive tools and just tools in general. So he's a guy uh, 39 on our list that uh, just like the upside. Uh, Alex Formanton, an amazing skater, uh, much like much like Patterson we spoke about earlier. Uh, he doesn't have the same skill level, but he's slight body, just growing into his body. He's probably in the 160-pound range as well. And I'll throw another high schooler, uh, Noah Cates, uh, who also finished the year in the USHL. Big, powerful forward with some good, raw, offensive talent. But, again, it's just just getting his feet wet as far as playing some junior hockey. He uh, just tore up Minnesota high school. So, And we've got him uh, at 68 on our list.
0: Okay. Well, you got a. A whole slew of guys in your back pocket there. Um, I know that Di Pietro's your second goalie on the list. You have Jake Ottinger of Boston University, uh, a guy who's taller, so maybe this uh, came into it. He's 6'4". Uh, he's your top goalie. He's number 20 on your, your rankings. Do you have any major explanation why he's your top goalie?
1: Just saw it all around, I think. Uh, had an excellent year. Uh, saw him a lot last year, too, and he put himself on the map, I think, with all NHL scouts. And then he just, uh, no real huge weakness. I think, you know, I've heard a few guys and I kind of tend to agree maybe he could be a little bit more athletic. Sometimes they throw at the word, you know, he can be just a bit of a blocker, but, uh, I don't want to sound negative. He's number 20 on our list and our number one goalie. So, uh, really good upside there, the size and, and, really had a, a strong year. And he comes in right at a point in our list where I said there's sections and I thought there was that 20 area where it kind of again, was a spot where there would be a, a drop-off, and I think that he's a, a pretty good player to have in that area of our list. Um, you know, the goaltenders, it was it was interesting. I was higher on a bunch of them, and they kind of dropped off some in the second half. A kid like Ian Scott we were much higher on. Just looks and does everything it's seemingly right, uh, but, you know, there always seems to be that one bad goal that just turns you off. But, you know, Dylan Wells last year with Peterborough, struggled a bit with, I think, uh, having some weak moments and falling off and letting in one goal and things going to pieces on him a little bit. So I think uh, Ian Scott, you know, so hopefully him can fall on his foot that way. And then I'll mention one more goalie, Daniil Tarasov, a kid I saw in Grand Forks at the U18 last year, a Russian goalie. He entered the season as our number one goalie in our preseason ranking. And he did not play a game. He was injured all season. I struggled to even find out what the injury was. Uh, but we threw him at 217 on our list here. I can tell you, I probably pulled the trigger earlier than that. Uh, but we just wanted to kind of make note of him, a little star that uh, we haven't forgotten him.
0: Wow, that's uh, that's unfortunate for him, just completely wiped out his season there.
1: Yeah, it is too bad, obviously. And uh, I I tell you, I was, I was struggling for a while just to get anything on his injury at all. And then I got a... Finally got word on. Uh, I didn't even know what the injury was, but I got word that he might be able to make it back late season and uh, compete, and then work his way and possibly be at the U eighteen. But none of that happened. But he was our number one heading into season. Was fantastic in Grand Forks last
0: year. I guess that's just one of the drawbacks of uh, of scouting. Sometimes it's all out of your control. You can go to a rink, and the guy you want to watch is just not playing.
1: Yeah, that <laughs> it's real fun when you're trying to go see a goalie and and. Uh, they don't play them or either were are supposed to and they don't or yank them after five minutes and that sort of stuff. That that's real nice when you, especially when you do a three and a half hour drive or something like that.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I think I'm good for questions, Mark. Uh, I know that you guys don't have a hidden agenda with these rankings. You just, you know, put out the truth, so to speak, from, from the way you guys view things and the way you evaluate players. So a lot of people appreciate that and it's really thorough, the, the black book. So, um, I guess, I guess, if you just want to plug where people can pick up the black book, that might be a, a way to, to to set this off.
1: Yeah, I appreciate the uh, the kind of words, John. Um, we uh, we just try and act like we're like we're a team. You know, I used to say the thirty first NHL team, now I'll say thirty second, and just go <laughs> out bumped. and and uh, you know what? I'm just just one of the guys. I hang with them. I like, you know ride with them sometimes, and we just try and act like. We're one of the teams. Uh, a little bit lower budget, a lot lower budget, but <laughs> do our best to to put out a list and uh, give all the kids a fair shake. Sometimes there's kids that you you know uh, you, you have to drop a little bit on your list, and you wish you didn't have to. They're just you know you talk to them or whatever and root for them and great kids, but you got to kind of just separate that and and put them where you'd be willing to pull the trigger on. But yeah, hockeyprospect.com. Uh, there's. Uh, instant download PDF version if you click the store link. And then in there, there's even a link that will take you to Amazon uh, for the printed version that just went up on Saturday morning. So people are just starting to, uh, to buy that. And uh, that's a 598 page version for the print version. There's a 598 page version of PDF. And then we've got the one we call the team edition, which just has a little bit more, including some Previously Drafted Player Profiles, Extra Game Reports, and that's 740 uh, pages.
0: That's a lot of uh, ink, or at least digital ink in some cases.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, it, was, uh, it was interesting to see the pages pile up as I was putting it together.
0: All right, Mark. Uh, I really appreciate your time here.
1: No problem. My pleasure, and we'll talk to you sometime soon.